0: you need to create psychological safety and once they're psychologically safe they're going to be more comfortable coming to you once you know issues arise or they don't know something but the worst thing is they don't know what to do and they're too afraid to come to you
1: What's going on, STM Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short Term of the Secrets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, B?
2: Good morning, my brother. Um, happy Friday. It's a Friday recording. Those don't come by really often, but I am super excited. Um, we are. Dude, I need more units. I need people to actually sell me their houses. So if you're in the South Florida market and you have a three or a four bedroom house with a pool, uh, please send me a message on Instagram so I can sell it for you because I have now eight Airbnb clients looking for properties and we cannot find anything that makes any sense. Or the stuff that like some stuff makes sense. Like I saw one yesterday. Um, reminding me of your big place up in Orlando, seven bedrooms, but it needs 150 grand worth of reno. So then when we go off of our little math that we learned, you know, and we do the rule that 20% rule, you need to add what with that level of reno, you have to add that reno in the purchase price. And then you start making absolutely zero cents. Um, so it's been very tricky to find things that because that house a year ago would have been listed at like a million one and so it would have made sense now they're listed at a million five and they still need 150k worth of rental yeah and that property is now going to crack 250 so the numbers are getting a little bit tighter but if you are in south florida and you have a in with off-market deals any kind of rental needed we don't care um Please make me look good and send me, send me a DM so we can get the house sold for you. Um, but yeah, man, other than that, I am looking forward to this weekend, um, which now lately I just open houses. I have open houses every single weekend, so it just mm. really say it doesn't really stop.
1: General, so. general question, what's, what's the weather going to be like this weekend?
2: <clears throat> it's actually going to be extremely cold for our standards. Um, let me tell you. It's just snow. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm no, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, so just tomorrow, for context,
1: just for context, yes. we are projected to get anywhere from two to three feet of snow this weekend. Feet two to cool. three feet of
2: snow. Well, no, here it's gonna be sunny, but <laughs> we have a low of oh, 36 tomorrow.
1: That's actually really
2: cold for you guys. That's gross. I mean, that's what I mean. So, like, a low of 36, it's it's respectful. You know, it's going to be sunny, so it'll feel like 36 only in the shadows, because that's the reality of a Florida winter. It's cold only under the, under the shadows. Once you're in the sun, you're good. Everything is good. But you know that you're welcome to come down whenever you want. I have a spare bed. Oh, I'll be mind.
1: down. I'll be back down in a few weeks, I think. Yeah. I've already had enough for the cold, <laughs> so I'll be back down in a few weeks. But uh, anyway, yeah. before we introduce our guests. Uh, again, I want to give a a quick shout out to Mark Simpson. Good friend of ours. He's been on the show a couple of times. Definitely look up that episode. He is the guy when it comes to direct bookings for your short-term rentals and boutique hotels. And he has a new book coming out. It's actually out by the time that this podcast gets released. Uh, It's called the book direct playbook. And it is literally a step-by-step guide on how to increase your direct bookings for your short-term rental business. So I am super pumped to get my hands on that um, and go through it. And I highly recommend you guys do the same. I guarantee it'll be one of the best investments you make because buying a book is super cheap and you get a ton of knowledge from it. And Mark is definitely the go-to guy when it comes to direct booking. So you can check it out. Go to Boostly, B-O-O-S-T-L-Y, boostly.co.uk slash book. And uh, grab yourself a copy of that. So- now, let's introduce today's guest. I'm, I'm really excited for today's guest. Um, I've known Chris a few years now and watched him go through his journey of going from a couple units up to, he's going to be up to 30 for summer, which is amazing. Uh, he's the co-owner. We've got Chris Petsy, He's the co-owner of Seacoast Vacation Rentals. It's a short-term rental company focused on modernizing the vacation rental experience and helping investors earn more while stressing less. And he is based up in the hampton seacoast area of new hampshire so chris welcome to the show man
0: yeah thanks a lot for having me
1: yeah it's uh this one's cool chris was uh actually one of my first mastermind students ever What was that almost was that three years ago or two years ago
0: yeah
1: yeah three, three years ago. a while ago yeah yep. and um i've watched him go through this journey and we're, we're gonna dig into it today on uh, how we went from having a couple little cottages on hampton beach to now scaling that through a co-hosting business and some strategic partnerships to, like I said, up to 30 units for the summer. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what triggered you to get into this business, right? Like some of your background and how did you get into short-term rentals?
0: Yeah. You know, going through my twenties, I was trying to find passive income. That's what you're, you're told to do. And I was trying to just get into real estate in general, looking for a long-term rental and winter of 2018, um, I found two cottages and I had actually Airbnb'd my friend's place before. I'd rented my own place uh, a couple times just on a whim. And I was like, well, why not try, you know, a short-term rental game? And it was a little bit by accident, but I dove headfirst and my wife and I actually moved into the property. So if you know anything about Northeast, basically everything shuts down. So <laughs> we, in terms of the vacation rental market uh, on the, on the beach. And so we moved in, we closed, we renovated the place and then moved out before, you know, the summer season hit and we started doing short term rentals that way. So I took the ownership model at first and I'm sure we're going to get it to the co-hosting piece in a second, but that's how I got into it.
1: I love it. I love it. And what was the result of that first unit? Cause we met right around when you were getting ready to launch that thing. And how did that go? Cause I think the guy before you was renting it, right? The previous owner was renting it.
0: Yeah. They so you did had some about, history to go off of. Yeah, exactly. And the numbers actually worked, um, with their projections. I mean, they did about 44 K and they used it as a family too, but they didn't use it in the winter at all. So the first thing we did is we turned it into, we turned one of the cottages into a four season property. We said, we're just going to rent this thing all year instead of winterizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that first year, we did about 60K. So we did about 50% more. We did 88K the year after that. And this year, we did 125. And that, so that strategy's really worked for us in terms of keeping it as a short-term rental because people think, like, why even come to Hampton Beach in the winter? Well, you're still close to Boston. You're still close to Portsmouth and Newburyport. And there's always reasons to come back to the area, whether it's family or work or what have you. Um, and then using your systems, it was just kind of a, a no brainer to, to work it that way. So
1: you went from 45 K to 125 K over the last couple of years on that same unit. That's
0: amazing. dude. Yeah. I yeah, tripled it. Yeah, That's awesome. You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And then, so you got, you got the, you got the bug from the first deal, right? And then what did it look like from there? What was your first co-host deal after that?
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's all, that was almost by accident as well. I mean, I just wanted to get the systems down and that's why I joined your mastermind. And the whole year of 2019, I didn't do anything except for my own property. Um, and then it took until the fall of 2020, COVID hit. It, it was just chaos at home. Like I was with a, a one-year-old working my W-2. My wife is out um, as a nurse, like dealing with COVID face-to-face. Like I had, I just had no time, and it just wasn't a. Honestly, it just wasn't a priority. So the fall of 2020 came around, and my first co-hosting client basically fell on my lap. It was a referral who was also in the mastermind, an agent, Travis. And he said, "I'm buying this place, with a condo on Hampton Beach, and know you are into short-term rentals, and you know you want to take this on." I said, "Absolutely." I knew I could do it because I had done it with my own place. I had the systems in place, and. So that was my first deal, 2020. And then going into 2021, I said, you know what? Like I, I should I need to take this seriously. I need to really grow this thing. And I read this book, Who Not How, actually before that. So I was like, okay, I need to start cold calling. I need to start like figuring out the sales piece. But I am, as you know, not a salesperson. And I'm all ops. It's just not in my blood. I made Maybe three cold calls. I was like this is not for me. <laughs> I cannot do this. Um, it's going to be referrals or bust, basically. Um, and I read this book, Who Not How, by Dan Sullivan. And the whole concept is find the people that will get you what you need. Or if you're like fo- so, focus on your strengths and anything that's not your strength. Like find the people that will be able to execute for you. And so. Almost again, by accident, I reached out to a property manager in the area that had 10 listings just to ask him a random question Just a network a little bit on the operation side. That's what I was most interested in about. And I realized like he had a hole, he had a gap. He wanted to really scale and, but he didn't have the systems in place to do it. So I said, Hey, let's get on a call. call. And I presented him basically everything that you've t- taught me over the years the credibility pack, the systems and how to integrate everything. I said, here's where you are today. Here's where you need to go. And he said, this makes perfect sense. Let's partner. So he became a business partner. And now we own 50, 50 of this business. I've gone from one unit in 2020, we had 12 in 2021 um, full time. And then, you know, we signed our first hotel deal and we're going to have now 30 um, starting June 1st.
1: That's
2: awesome, dude. That's so I, cool. I, love, I love how you keep saying by accident. <laughs> right? And it seems like, you know, I mean, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and I think that is the thing that people don't understand, is that the, the real ones do it by accident. And what I mean by that is the majority of the time, just people that tell you that they had it all figured out from the beginning, and had such a clear plan from the beginning. You're, I, I mean, in my experience, you're full of shit, because I don't know anybody that has has kind of done that. But what I do know, and what is evident in, in your own story is it's when you start preparing for things, you all of a sudden get lucky, lucky because you're not you, you know you what I mean like yourself the in that, position. You yeah, but also like you know position. like the entire year that you're like owning your craft, and that's something that like I think it's 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 been completely forgotten over time. Like when I started from twenty. 12 to 2016 with my 40 units I was managing and owning at the time I didn't do anything else. It's not like I didn't do either. Prop, I didn't do anything else. Like that was my prop. That was my baby, right? I didn't do anything else. And you have to like, kind of, kind of fall in love with that. And I think that's why when then you went to meet with a guy, luckily you had done everything else that you'd done before, right? Because then you you had the first hand experience of what it took you to do something that this guy wants to do. And then you had invested in yourself by joining the mastermind and then like learning what you learned. And then they put you in a place that, to have a conversation. You're like, holy shit, I got so lucky. But very similar to Daryl, right? It's not, it's not luck. Like, and that was the same thing that Daryl, right? Like that was the same feeling that I got from Daryl. Daryl was like, it's not lucky, just keep keep showing up and we had a friend what's his name Julian that says is not how you show up but is how you show up after you show up and a lot of the times people kind of forget that like you forget like you join the mastermind and you're like well I'm here you join the gym you're like I joined the gym great now what (laughs) how often do you show up how do you show up do you try it on your own skin and in your case, like dude, it's it's a complete commitment, right? Like you guys moved into the house, renovated it. But isn't that fun? Like, is it like to me, like that's such a fun experience to have because you and your wife will always have that. Like you always have that story to share. And then it went crazy, COVID and everything else. And I think COVID, I've I've said this in the past, it has really given people the opportunity to either really show what you're made of, right? So you either went one way or or another. So I applaud you for going, kind of like the brave way, because that—that that is needed, right? Like it's not nothing else changes. I got
0: I got to share this. I got to share this story, Mike. Um, before you go, so that winter, my wife was seven months pregnant. I was working a W two job. She didn't. She wasn't working. She was in between jobs, looking for her next uh, position. Mm-hmm. So my our only income was my W two. We closed. The next day I got fired. So I had no W-2. I had a a pregnant wife that was due in two months. And I promised myself, and I would never let that happen again. I'm going to carve out this baby of mine over here. And I'm going to be in control of my destiny. And Mike, we're part of this limitless mastermind now. And you're teaching us how you got to figure out what you want. And then you got to emotionalize it that's, that's the thing that I emotionalize. Like, I never want to be able to, I never want to put my family in that position again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made that promise to myself and it's been a, you know, a journey ever since this has been, it's been rocky, of course, never kind of plateaued a bit, but like now I like Chris, I can crystallize that vision. I can see it happening. And like you said, he, like just putting myself in that position to just take in opportunities and then they just kind of start coming to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it starts with knowing what you want and emotionalizing.
1: That's why there's no, there's no accident. Right. And I have the advantage because I've been working with Chris for years. And like that first year <clears throat> he was doing everything at the property. So occasionally they were cleaning it. He was doing all the handyman work, fixing it up. Like he was literally doing everything. And that he set the intention of, I am not going to do anything at that property. I will not be the boots on the ground for that property. So whatever that was, 2020, when you made that decision, I watched you change as a business person, like a total 180, and you got yourself out of your comfort zone and let go of some of that control. And I honestly believe that if you hadn't done that, I don't think that that partnership that you have now would have worked out because you had already mentally prepared yourself to to put in place the systems and the team to take care of that that puts you in a position to scale it quickly after you did that. Cause there's no way you can keep your hands into everything when you have 30 units. It's just not possible. Right. Right. So
2: what and, do you uh, think? Sorry, go for it.
1: I was just going to say, what do you think now for you was the difference maker, obviously the partnership, but from a CEO point of view, what do you think took you from the two units to the 30 units? Like, how do you view the business now? Like what does your day-to-day look like now, as opposed to when you were the guy running around doing everything for the two units? Like, what do you focus on? What's your day-to-day look like for the business?
0: Now it's playing chess. It's putting the right people in the right seats and making sure that there is no friction in their way. So how can I remove any obstacles in their day to day? So using the right tech, so it's ease of use, uh, automated messages, uh, creating an environment so our team can communicate with each other versus ourselves. So we use Slack, so they can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now my role is is are those two things: finding the right people for the right role, and just removing obstacles so they can do their job. You know, a hundred times better than I ever could. I, I I'm not I'm not a cleaner. I'm not a um support person in terms of like guest relations like that's not really my forte but i know how to build systems and now i need to grow into a leader to bring all those people together to operate that that system
2: yeah and this is just a clear sign of leadership right like the fact that you cuz that's that's what i you know what i mean like that that's my job right so like i have a I have a va Dante to start with me a couple months ago and he does exclusively call calling for me very similar to you right i i hate call calling like i am i'm a people pleaser and i take things personally and like i remember like breaking into sweats like i did six months of call calling every day right and and it just like it was probably easily one of my least favorite times of my life because i got told that i was gonna Get either murdered or killed or shot or one of those things every other day, especially in Florida, right? Like if, if you don't know Florida, um, that's why most jokes are like a Florida man does this, is because a lot of things happen in Florida. But it's in calling Dante and in seeing him not hitting his goals. My question is not what are you doing wrong? It's what am I doing wrong? What am I not helping you with? Am I giving you the right list to call? Am I helping you kind of like go through the script? Have I trained you enough on the script? And there is a level of extreme ownership that has to come with being a business owner. And there is a level of extreme ownership that I think you had also when you had that moment, that realization, because that's the same thing that happened with Mike, right? Because I was there. I remember Mike having that extreme ownership moment of like, I own this, I own my life nobody else does. And I have extreme ownership to my son, my daughter, whoever it is in your particular case, and my wife. And that's it. Because once you like really embody that, life changes. Because then you're not looking for excuses. You're not looking for anything else. You just have extreme ownership of whatever it is. I will find a way and if I don't know how to find a way, I will figure it out.
0: What else is there?
1: Hundred percent, percent. So, Chris, let me ask you this: Like, what what's your vision now going forward? Like, what is what is your goal for twenty twenty two between you and your business partner?
0: Yeah, the big goal for us is to finish building out the team, and so we're we're toying with the idea of creating local hosts which are similar to the to what julie george put in place um, and basically that would elevate us completely out of any sort of third-party communications because right now we're still the connection point between sometimes our team and the owners or the team and, and guest issues that come up so it's elevating ourselves even out of that role um, getting back time but we also from a Revenue standpoint, our our goal is to double our our revenue this year, and so that you'd support that type of infrastructure. I
2: love it. I love it. So, what would you say is is this the next hire? So, let's say that there is somebody that is in a similar situation to you, right? So, and 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 it was great with you that you met that one that one guy that is a realtor. He's a realtor too, right? Is that what you told us? Yeah. Yep. So. If it wasn't for him, looking back, what would have been like a key relationship or a key hire you could have done that would have maybe yielded you the same results?
0: Um, yeah, good question. So we kind of already have this, but having a boots on the ground, operations manager or runner, somebody that can physically be at the properties handle guest issues or hold account- like cleaners accountable by doing inspections. Like you're, The first hire obviously is the cleaner, right? And a handy person, somebody to just take care of those emergency situations. But you need somebody kind of to oversee that entire operation and to be able to go to any property, know it in and out, um, answer any questions that maybe our guest support team or virtual assistants might have without having to come directly to us and so that's that was that would be the the next step is with 30 units you probably need to have more of those but if you're at the five to ten unit range you probably want to hire that one person that basically knows what you know I mean Bernie said it I think the other day he put out a job rec for the same idea and in the job description, he said, "Do everything that Bernie does <laughs> i I love that right because um, it's so true. just like you need to follow me around for a month, and then now it's your turn uh, so that that would be my recommendation in terms of the next step
1: and yeah, just a little a little advice for people too is because <clears throat> I made this mistake a bunch at the beginning is like when you hire people, you have to be you have to know going into it that you're going to have to invest a lot of your time up front with them for the first three to six months to really get them up to speed. Cause at the beginning I was reading e-myth and traction, all these things. I'm like, sweet. I just need to hire these people that are good at these things. Then I put them in position and I didn't, I basically put them through my course and then I'm like, all right, they're good. But I didn't really give them much time. And I kept firing these VA after VA after VA and looking back, it was just poor leadership on me. Right? Like, could they have done the job? Yeah, most likely. Right. But I wasn't an effective leader and I didn't invest the time in them. So again, having somebody follow you around if possible, that's great. Um, but having some type of idea of how you're going to onboard people doing daily check-ins at the beginning with them after you kind of get them up and running, and then you can scale it back to every couple of days and then once a week and then do one-on-ones like once a month or every couple of weeks, whatever it is. But there's there's this onboarding phase that if you do invest the time up front and be okay with that, your life will get a lot easier. Right. I mean, Matt and Mark have been with me now almost two years. I mean, it's two years, but they basically run everything for me now and everybody else under them. But it took a long time to get it to that point where I'm like, all right, I trust these guys like entirely. And I'm, I'm able to really step back. Right. And I just want to throw that out there because I think that there's a lot of, mistakes that people make when they first start hiring because you can read as many books as you want and go to grad school and do all this stuff. But until you actually do it, um, it's a different ballgame. So just be okay investing that time. And it's, there's nothing wrong with the person you hire. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just, it takes a little bit of time to find that groove to really be able to free you up.
0: I want to add two pieces of that. One, as a leader, like you're, or the person that you're, you're trying to hire you have to just be hyper patient with them. And so any mistakes they make, forgive quickly and then analyze like what, what happened and let's change the behavior if you need to, but then, okay, let's move on because the, you need to create psychological safety. And once they're psychologically safe, they're going to be more comfortable coming to you once, you know, issues arise or they don't know something. But the worst thing is they don't know what to do and they're too afraid to come to you. The second thing I would say is create some sort of litmus test to understand where they are comfort wise with running your business. So, the first thing I did with our two virtual assistants in the fall, I said, after about a week, I said, How comfortable are you running this business? Both of them were, you know, three out of 10, four out of 10. Now they're at eight or nine. So now I know that, okay, I can really kind of take my hands off the wheel and let them run this thing. But if you don't have those kind of little quick tests to know where they're at and you're not creating that safety for them to even be comfortable telling you, then you're going to set yourself up for failure.
1: hundred percent. We have one of our core values or core tenants is correct the process, not the person going back to the whole extreme ownership thing. If, if something's not going right own it, it's probably the way that you've set it up and not necessarily the person that's in the role. So I love that. That was, that was a great point
2: um it's funny that you brought up traction because that it's it's where i'm at rereading it and there is a part in traction they call it gwc which is do they get it do they want it and do they have the capacity for it and i think that is a big thing that you need to understand also in like having having the vision and having the understanding what the role of the person is because then a lot of the times i think as you as you grow because i've hired vas in the past and just, I wasn't clear. I wasn't clear on my own leadership. So my own leadership capacity, you can never outweigh, you'll never be a better leader than your, you know, whatever your leadership level is, that's the level leader that you are. But in the past, I've hired people that like, did they get the job? Yes. Like they understood what the job was. Did they want it? Th- there was never really any passion. They just wanted a job, right? So then in, in one of our core values is like, Delivering a wow experience. If you don't really want it, and you don't really love the job, what is your what is your commitment to delivering the wow experience? Because it's it's just a job. It's just a paycheck. There's no passion behind it. And then having the capacity to do it. So somebody can get it. Like yeah, okay, I get the job. Like I want to be a heart surgeon. Get it. I really want to be a heart surgeon. Get it. Do you have the capacity to do it? No okay, we have a problem, right? But to me, what I've learned is that if they get it and they want it, I I can train the capacity. But the most important thing is for them to get it and want it. Because if I get it and I want it, you can come on the bus and then we'll choose where to put you on the bus. But if you have the capacity to do it, but you don't really want it, then you are that kind of like, Arrogant super salesman that is like, I know what I'm doing and I get the job, but I just want to do it how I want to do it. And that is a problem because then long term, that's not a right fit. So I'd rather have somebody that gets it and wants it for what it is. And then I can train him through the capacity of it. And because that I know taking ownership that that's the only thing I can really control is how do I teach you your capacity? And then If my systems are good and I'm a good leader, I'm not worried about that aspect of it.
1: 100%, 100%. Chris has actually come on board now with STR Secrets and he's one of the coaches in the Mastermind, which is really cool because he's come full circle. What are some of the challenges that you're seeing on your coaching call now that students are having with operations that we could give some pointers to the audience? You know, whether they're one unit or five units, what are some of the questions that we're seeing consistently in the mastermind that we could give some pointers on about?
2: Hmm, that's a good question.
1: And I'm yeah, totally maybe. putting them on the spot. I didn't practice. So. <laughs> yeah. so no, I'm excited for
2: this
0: too. It's a great question. Um, and we've only had one ops call, but <laughs> 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 uh, the, call, the, the question that I keep on hearing, especially when you get beyond that first or second unit, is bookkeeping. How do you make sure things stay accurate and um, the, giving yourself confidence that you know you're moving the money the way it should be moved? Because that is obviously a highly sensitive um, issue, and you need to make sure that you're doing it right. So there's a lot of avenues, a lot of a lot of ways to do it, and you've provided some guidance in the course. And there's obviously certain tiers that you can take. Um, that's something that I think would be really helpful to get crystal clear on here are the steps you need to take once you get, you know, for your first unit baseline, this is what you need to set up. When you get the five to 10, consider a bookkeeper. When you get the past 20, like consider this, X, Y, like here's the tech that you should be using. I think answering those questions would really provide some confidence in the operators that you're, you're teaching.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: I think. I talked to um, a friend of mine who's a bookkeeper last night and he, he was talking about this, that there's a misconception with a lot of business owners that like when you hire a bookkeeper, like you're completely hands off. You want to look at a bookkeeper as someone that's going to help you and guide you and make sure the books are correct. However, you want to be really involved with that, especially at the beginning because you want to really start to understand what your numbers. So he's like, honestly, the best thing somebody can do when they're starting a business is just have a simple Google sheet like I built in the mastermind course that like creates a little PL for you, but like just track your transactions. And I know it sounds like tedious and painful, but when you do that, I did this for years until I had a team do it for me. You will really start to see where you're making your money and how to make more strategic decisions going forward. The worst thing that you can do is just kind of look at the end of the month and be like, all right, where am I landing? you need to know week by week. And as you scale, then you can rely on your team to prepare those numbers for you. And then you review them with the team. So everybody's on the same page, but understanding your numbers is huge. And just because you hire a bookkeeper doesn't mean you can just shoot them, you know, text messages with all your receipts. Like you still need to be involved and be like, okay, here's, these are the transactions for this property. These are the ones for this property. How am I shaping up? And then they can reconcile it for you at the end of the month to make sure you didn't miss anything but you still want to be involved in that process. And it's one of the, it's one of the most important things. And one of the least sexy things is a business owner. But I know like my partners, they're religious. Like every Friday, there's a, a meeting, all transactions get reviewed like every Friday. Like it's just a weekly thing. So if you want to get wealthy, start paying attention to your numbers. Like, It's that simple. Where your focus goes, energy flows like Tony Robbins says. So if you're focusing on your numbers all the time, guess what? Your numbers are going to start to go up because you're paying attention. You know, If you listen to all the really successful people, whether you love them, hate them, whatever, like a Grant Cardone, he has a very polarizing personality, but he literally gets his bank statements printed out for him every single morning. He's constantly focused on his numbers and that's why he's so wealthy because he's putting his attention on it. Mm -hmm. So- don't think that you can just completely outsource your bookkeeping and then just poof, it's magically like perfect at the end of the month. You want to take a more active approach with that.
2: But And, and that's for everything that you do, right? And that, that's the thing as a, like, as a business owner at the end of the day, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record today, you have extreme ownership of, of your business. Like no matter how much you grow it, at the end of the day, the only person that truly gives a shit about your business, it's you. And your partners if you have other ownership partners those people but everybody else it's human nature like you get comfortable and you get kind of sloppy and you just kind of like expanding the space that you have right and the thing with grant there is really funny i know exactly what video you're talking about and what he says on there is like i know somebody's not doing their job because my crypto account has the same amount of money that it did yesterday and that shit moves every day So it's nothing else, but immediately it's a way for you to track. And it just becomes like more KPIs, right? And they look different. But all a KPI is, is that gauge on the gas line that tells you how much gas you have. And at the end of the day, like if you want to cook a good steak and you run out of gas midway through, you're fucked, right? And then you can go out and get the thing and get the propane and fix it. And again, most things in your business are fixable. Even if you have somebody, you don't train them well, and they make a mistake, it's fixable. The problem becomes over time, how long does it take you to fix it? And what is the cost of fixing it? Because then it doesn't only become the cost of going out and getting the propane, but what is the consequence of that action happening, right? And in air, like with vacation rentals, that can become very tricky because the repercussion of something happening may mean a guest leaving. And then you don't only have the cost of having to fix the problem, but you also have to refund the stay, probably get a bad review. So you see, it starts really snowballing really quickly. And that's why you have to have a pulse on your business. And then going back to the conversation we had with Emmanuel on last week's episode is understanding the foundation of how big you want to go. Because again, if you're a listener, you're like, I just want to do this for my vacation homes, a Google sheet with your tracking categories that Mike has, that's perfect. If it's your vacation home and maybe another property, that's perfect. If you are like Chris, and you're like, okay, my goal is to double my revenue and go from thirty to sixty units. First of all, how you gonna double? How you gonna know your revenue is double if you're not tracking it, right? And understanding then what do you need to track it? Do I have QuickBooks that it's linked to my PMS that then feeds through it? And then understanding there too is like. The effort you put in it in creating the web at the beginning, it's how good your systems are. Because then it becomes very complicated for you to onboard properties after the fact, if you don't have separated accounts within your QuickBooks and everything else. So having the vision and creating the systems in your mind of how they should work and doing it right the first time makes a difference. And again, you can change your mind, but there's a cost to it in manpower, responsibility, Apologies, or whatever it is, right? Right. You're muted, Mike. And,
1: Yeah, I know uh, Chris said his goal is to double the business, which I know is his goal, but I also know his personal goal is a net profit goal. So I know he knows his numbers because it's cool to say that you make 20, 50, 100, 200, 500K a month, whatever it is. But what's going in your pocket? right? So if you're not paying attention to the expense side of things as well, you can have a very high revenue business with a very low profitability. So that's why it's, it's, again, it's not sexy. It's not fun, but it's what's going to really move the needle and start to make you profitable and wealthy over time. So, um, okay, cool. Chris, I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're getting close here. Um, first off, I want to acknowledge you, um, tell you how, Super proud I am of you, dude, just watching you over the last few years, like from where you were at the beginning to where you are now, it's like complete transformation, not just from a business standpoint, but from a business owner standpoint, watching you go through that evolution was awesome. And I'm super excited to see what you guys create in 2022 and beyond. Um, But where can the listeners learn more about uh, you and your business and get in contact with you guys? Hopefully go spend a weekend at the beach at least.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can go out to our website, Um If you want to learn more about me personally, you're not going to find a whole lot. I really try to keep myself on the DL and I don't really have much of a brand. I think my last Instagram post was like four years ago. So you can search me online. I'm I'm definitely out there, but I'm not very active and that's kind of the way I like it. I like to play behind the scenes and um, but I will be very active in the mastermind and the coaching calls. And that's something that's really starting to fire me up. I love working with those students and I would love to connect that way. You can find me on Facebook, of course, and just coaching in general, is I think is where the next evolution of my career is going to go after I can get this business to the place where it runs a bit by itself. Um, I'd like to spend a lot more time coaching. Um, So feel free to DM me on any of those platforms and we can chat.
1: Love it. Love it. So the last question that we ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals?
0: Yeah, I mentioned at the beginning, um, I know you're all into mindset. I would add a prefix to that and call it the who, not how mindset. So always thinking when things come up, try to take yourself out of the situation and figure out if I wasn't doing this myself, who would be, or who should be. Uh, Just recently at a property, there was damage to the floors. And so the guest is messaging us and the VA is contacting me and then I'm contacting the owner. It's like, I'm not gonna replace the floors. It's gonna be my handy person. Um, I'm not the one calling insurance. It's gonna be the owner. And how can I create that role or put somebody in that role so they can handle those types of situations and so I'm always trying to think that way anytime I'm actually doing something in action I'm trying to take the mindset of who should be doing this instead of how should it be done
2: hmm. and that's why you're going to be hugely successful because it's, it's literally like you know what I mean like that's that's any any high level entrepreneur that I've met over the years that's their mindset those are the books and again guys like this is the short term rental secrets and I know we talked a lot about mindset and we talked a lot about books but at the end of the day unless you just want to learn things on your skin and those that's a great way of learning but then again they leave bruises and they leave scars so like there is a book doesn't leave any scars like you can just learn from us and like learn from experience and learn from the mastermind and learn from like I did we did crazy numbers through direct bookings and all i had to do was learn and ask questions and implement things that's that's it but you have to do it you know what i mean like you you have to do it and you don't have to do everything yourself that's why you should ask yourself that question who knows yeah, how, the only thing,
0: right the only, the only thing i would add there is it that, that answer is going to change depending on which phase you're in. So right now I'm in the scaling phase. So that's the mindset I have to use. But with coaching, I am Mike's how, right? For him to grow the mastermind, he's coaches. So I'm going to be his how. So it's okay to be a who and a how. If you get the book, they talk all about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just have to know like which phase you're in, uh, in which season of life you're in, and then implement that
2: the mindset accordingly. That's that's beautiful, because yeah. I think that it's that is something that ego sometimes gets in the way of, and yeah. understanding that like when I started, I was I was the maintenance guy, and that literally right. like I used, to, I used to vacuum. If a toilet totally overflowed and there was a, and yeah, a, right, a right, yeah, it's, around. it's and not... I know Mike, I know Mike did the same thing at the hotel one time, right? Like you walked out of the thing and there was there was shit everywhere. Again, yeah. yeah. There is a season in life, right? But our, my why was big enough. His why was big enough. Your why was big enough that you understand this is just a part in the moment on the journey to me creating what I need to create. And in that moment, you already know this is definitely a who, not how kind of moment. Like I definitely need to hire somebody to do this moving forward because I don't enjoy this. End of conversation, you know? 100%. That's- I think that's a great
1: point to end on. I love that. Like the some points you're going to be looking for the who at some points you're going to be the how, and it's okay. And keeping your ego in check and Jocko willing talks about that all the time. And I love his stuff, especially if you're growing into a leadership role, definitely recommend Mm -hmm. checking out his podcast. Um, But yeah, man, again, super proud of you. We could talk for days about this stuff and that transition that I've watched you go through. And it's just evident. It's just who you've become as a leader and as a business owner. And um, it's really cool because on the podcast, we have people that are starting out. We have vendors. We have people that are a little more seasoned. So whatever phase you're at for the listeners, like, just take these notes and follow up with these people and just watch their journeys because success leaves clues. And that's why we're constantly looking for new people on here. Some of them you've heard of, some of them you've never heard of. But each of them, if you pay attention to their journey, you're going to find those little secrets that keep tying the knots between to go from where you are to where you want to go. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast. So as always, appreciate all you guys. This podcast will have officially crossed the 100,000 download mark, which is amazing. Um, yeah, we're super so grateful cool to see that.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: we're so, super grateful. so grateful. And uh, e should I tease out what we're working on later this quarter? Did I mention that? Oh
2: menu? yeah, I mean I haven't been saying anything, but you can go ahead. I'm excited. Uh, since since
1: we crossed the hundred K, we'll we'll tease it out. That yeah, us uh, tease it out. E and I have committed to um, signing with a publisher by the end of the quarter to put out the official short-term rental secrets book. That will be a step-by-step manual to launch, automate, and scale a short-term rental business. So that'll be quite a project. Uh, realistically, it probably will be in print by Q4 of this year because it takes a while to get a book written and published and everything but we are committed to doing that in 2022 and uh really excited about it so we'll keep you guys posted as we go through that going
2: to have all this on us
1: and speaking of who not how neither one of us has written a book so we're figuring out who has how do we get it done and who can help us do that right yeah. so also the because process
2: with everything he, he can no spell on any other given day half of the words so it would not be wise for me to write a book um i have a really hard time defining like then and then so i it, the book would be will be a mess so again you knowing your strengths. on
1: your grammar as opposed to learning really yeah exactly good.
2: like knowing your strengths my our strengths is, is not writing books you know what i mean so you we're gonna go out there and find the best person that understands how to do this in a way that is gonna deliver the most value to people like our goal is not to become writers, our goal is to share and deliver the most amount of value to our community and our people. So that's what leads our our charging kind of doing it.
1: 100%, 100%. Well, stay tuned for that. Chris, thanks again for being on here, man. Really appreciate you. And uh, everybody else, we'll see you guys next week. Have an amazing week. Thanks a lot, guys.